Influencer, do you consider yourself to be an influencer? Or are you going, what in the world does that even mean? Or, of course I'm not. What do you mean by? This word influencer, we live in a time right now where this word has become a profession, has become an entire industry. People are making millions of dollars being an influencer. And if I said, who has influenced you in your life? My guess is you could start to come up with particular names and maybe you would even be named by someone else. Throughout all of human history, people have been influencing one another, whether it has been positive, negative, or we, we want to try to do it or we don't. And today, as we're thinking about this word, we're going to look at it in a positive sense of, okay, what does it mean to be an influencer that changes people's lives? Not this surface level, we're all about the way things look, but instead, what does it mean to be an influencer that changes people's lives towards thriving? towards living well, that is an encouragement that finds freedom in so many things. What does it mean for us to influence in that way? Because every single day that we live and breathe, that we engage with one another, we are talking about influence. And it's kind of fascinating that as we think about influencing of what is that connected to? Influence is connected to belonging, purpose, and community. And throughout all of human history, we have had those moments that this is a particular concern to individuals and into, to entire societies. And it's kind of interesting at this moment in time because every human being wants to feel like they belong. And yet, we live in a time where we feel less and less like we belong, we struggle with our purpose, and we feel more disconnected than we have ever felt, and yet an industry is rising of being an influencer. And so for us today, as we begin to think about, okay, if all of us influence in some way or another, whether or not we want it or not, whether or not we are like, I really don't like that word, doesn't matter because we do influence one another. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 6. And Hebrews is a very unique book. Hebrews, we don't know who the writer is. It is the most sophisticated, elevated, rhythmic, beautiful Greek that we have in the entire New Testament. It's a popular book for the early church fathers for like the first 500 years of Christianity. It is a challenge, not only of the way the Greek is, but also in what it's asking, what it's trying to delve into. It's a book that tries to get us to really dig into what does it mean to follow Christ? How are we living and being? And not just the basics, but that we are leveling up that we are living into Christ, into living into a totally different way that 
obliterates those surface things and really gets into the core of who we are, of how we belong, of our purpose in this world, and what we are creating around us with others. And so as we get into Hebrews 6, just know there is some complexity with some of the images, with some of the ways that things are phrased, because that really doesn't jive with our 21st century minds. But this is trying ultimately to get us to dig deeper into life, to help us to actually thrive and live well, to be able to influence transformation, not only for ourselves, but everybody around us in everything that we do. So starting in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. So let's press on to maturity by moving on from the basics about Christ's word. Let's not lay a foundation of turning away from dead works of faith in God, of teaching about ritual ways to wash with water, laying on hands the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment all over again. We're going to press on if God allows it. All right, so you may be going, wait, what? How was that? Let me read it to you out of the message. It's a little bit easier to understand. So come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help. Think here for a moment. This is like, oh, the things I need to give up, right? Like, I need to not keep relying upon lying, cheating, stealing, being fake, vanity, power, money. I need to give that up. That's just basic. And then, and turning and trust toward God. Baptismal instruction, so thinking about, okay, I did this ritual, I was baptized, I did the bare minimum. That's a basic. Laying out of hands, that's a moment of saying, nope, go with God. Others go with God. That's basic. Resurrection of the dead, that is saying God cannot die. That is basic. Eternal judgment, okay, that is very basic of God is challenging us to live well, with a healthy dose of bigger than we can imagine grace. That eternal judgment is all about thinking through what is kind of our purpose, but understanding that God's grace is always there. God helping us will stay true to all that. So we're going to stay true to all that, that we recognize what the bare minimum, what the basics are, but there's so much more. Let's get on with it. So a sense of what do we determine as the most basic for following Christ, for following the ways of Jesus? Maybe we would articulate it as, well, you need to be kind. You need to be welcoming. Uh, not lose your temper. Uh, honest with self and with others. Respect. Maybe dignity. Showing dignity to others. What is the bare minimum? What is the basic thing that we see as Christ teaching us? That Jesus teaches us in our daily living. And to recognize what those things are, 
But that Hebrews is saying, we're going to have to level up from that. Like, there's more to it than that. We determine the basics. We determine that foundation. But then we've got to figure out what the next level is, what our next steps are, because we can't just stay here. We've got to mature. We, we've got to move forward. Then we can't just be staying here at the bottom going, well, I was nice to somebody today. Or, uh, well, I didn't flip anybody off as I was going down the road and they cut me off. Basic, minimal. And so here, to begin to think about what we determine as the bare minimum, as the basic, and what comes next. What's that higher level? Especially if we're thinking in terms of influence. Right? Because if we think about those who influenced us, who made a great impact on our lives, and let's take it from the positive, a positive, life-changing thing, right? When they influenced us, we leveled up. We, we began to go, wait a minute, I've got to get on another path. And to understand that whether we like it or not, individually, as a community, that we influence others and we're gonna have to decide and choose what we want to do. And Hebrews is like, there's more to it. There's another step. It can't be just the basics. So continuing on in verses four through eight, because it's impossible to restore people to changed hearts and lives who turn away once they have seen the light, tasted the heavenly gift, become partners with the Holy Spirit, and tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age. They are crucifying God's son all over again and exposing him to public shame. The ground receives a blessing from God when it drinks up the rain that regularly comes and falls on it and yields a useful crop for those people for whom it is being farmed. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it's useless and close to being cursed. It ends up being burned. Okay, now that's a little bit thick right there, right? Because it's impossible to restore people to changed hearts and lives who turn away once they have seen the light, tasted the heavenly gift, become partners with the Holy Spirit. All right, another way to read this out of the message is once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven, and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's word and the powers breaking in on us, if then they turn their backs on it, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, they can't start over as if nothing happened. That's impossible. Why, they've re-crucified Jesus. They've repudiated him in public. It's a sense of when we start over, that we can't start over like nothing's happened, like we didn't learn anything from. If we've experienced the goodness of God, if we've experienced that love and that mercy, if we've experienced forgiveness, if we have experienced peace and joy and hope, and then we're like, you know, I just, I'm too busy for it. I don't have enough time. Ah. Really, you know, I mean, what's so bad about certain things like power, 
money, being only focused upon our job status, our achievements, we get sidetracked, right? We experience that goodness, we get sidetracked. And when we realize that we've gotten sidetracked, it's this moment of going, wait a minute, what's happened here? That we can't act like nothing's happened, like we haven't deviated or we haven't learned from the moment. And so Hebrews is like, you know, we've got to learn from those times. We've got to learn from those moments. It's not to say that God's grace has stopped. God's grace has never stopped. God keeps calling to us. God keeps extending mercy and forgiveness. But our response to it is, what did I learn from this? You know what? Maybe I'm going to try. You know what? I really need to change. You know, my practice needs to be. And that we become like the ground that soaks up the rain. That God's goodness continuously pours upon us, but we become like that dry, thirsty ground that is desperate for a drink of water. And we soak it up and we learn from it. And all of a sudden, things begin to blossom. Things begin to bloom. The flowers come out, right? It's like a desert. Desert where there's sand, you see nothing, and then a rain comes through and all of these flowers appear seemingly out of nothing. This thought, this understanding here of going, okay, what are we, when we're thinking, man, I've screwed this up, I need to be on a different path, are we willing to be like the ground and soak up God's goodness and be like, what did I learn from? Which way can I now go? What experience have I taken so that I can reconnect to that peace in life, that I can reconnect to that love and that joy, that I can reconnect not only receiving forgiveness of self, but giving it over to others. Because as we soak it up, as we drink from God's goodness, we begin to want to share it with others. We, we begin to influence others because we're acting different. The way that we go about our day-to-day, the way that we go about our interactions begins to shift as we change and soak up so that others begin to go, wait a minute, that's a totally different action today. Why is that? We begin to influence in ways we may not even understand for years to come or even ever Because the way that we begin to conduct our lives starts to shift, starts to change as we allow God's goodness to soak into us. Continuing on in verses 9 through 12. But we are convinced of better things in your case, brothers and sisters, even though we are talking this way, things that go together with salvation. God isn't unjust so that he forgets your efforts and the love you have shown for his name's sake when you served and continue to serve God's holy people. But we desperately want each of you to show the same effort to make your hope sure until the end. This is so you won't be lazy, but follow the example of the ones who inherit the promises through faith and patience. Okay, so... Here, the the writer of Hebrews is reminding the reader, reminding the listener of saying, God, it doesn't forget you. God just, we're encouraging you in your efforts. Like, what is worth changing your life? What effort do you want to put in? 
And then this connection that's highlighted. This connection of, this is so you won't be lazy, but follow the example of the ones who inherit the promises through faith and patience. All right, so if we're thinking back to connecting with Jesus, if we're trying to figure out what are Jesus' teachings, we've got the bare basics, right? And then what does it mean to, to level up? What are the things we need to change and let go of? What are the things we need to soak up and connect to and make an effort with? And so this is the moment where we've got to know some of those things that Jesus did. Because Jesus gives us this way of living, this way of living our lives that no matter what's happening to us, right? Up until Jesus, the very, very end, as Jesus is experiencing hatred, as he's experiencing anger, as he's experiencing betrayal, denial, all kinds of the worst of humanity, the biggest challenges that we would say anybody in this world can face, he is still able to hold on to this sense of who he is, of how he belongs, his purpose, and what he is trying to create. And so when we think about his teachings and how he influenced and how we're called to influence others, no matter the situation at hand, that's leveling up. That's reaching new heights. As we look at, well, how did he do it? What are the things that we find him doing beyond just kind word or being welcoming? No, no, no. We see him being like fully present with people, listening, deeply listening to people's needs and saying, wait a minute, how can I respond? I will respond with taking that next step, taking that action. We see him, understand him, experience him as feeding and healing people in the ways that they needed it because he was listening. He was paying attention. We also find him grieving with his friends when Lazarus dies. We found, find him challenging notions of power when it is used over and against others. We find him fully inclusive of saying, we're not going to sideline people that society says not worthy. He is someone who worked diligently day in and day out. And that is the next step. That is another level. And so thinking about and knowing Jesus' teachings, taking those teachings really seriously about how he engaged with people and was constantly creating community, constantly helping people to feel like they belong, constantly giving direction and purpose of saying God is with us. He was constantly going, that's where God is. He was equipping people. Those are all things that we are called to do, called to engage in. And to think about that, that we are called not only to begin to live differently, but also this sense of equipping, this sense of being, creating, cultivating community. That we can't just sit down and go, well, I was nice today. That's the basic. Hebrews is calling us to be of such a greater influence. Just as we need those influences in our own lives. Continuing on in verses 13 through 16. 
When God gave Abraham his promise, he swore by himself since he couldn't swear by anyone greater. He said, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants. So Abraham obtained the promise by showing patience. People pledged by something greater than themselves. A solemn pledge guarantees that, they, that what they say and shuts down any argument. Okay, so Abraham, uh, he is patriarch. God calls to him, says, hey, I'm going to be with you. I am going to give you. God is going to bless him with belonging, purpose, and being able to create a community that is so much bigger than he could have ever imagined. And Abraham, he's got issues. Abraham screws up constantly. That's what makes him a great patriarch. The, you can read about him in Genesis. He is the guy that he's like, okay, I'm going to try it. And then he makes a really bad decision. He's like, oops, screwed that up. Oh, I should probably try something else. And it, but it's constant. It's like an everyday, practically an event for Abraham. Because he's one of us. Abraham is one of us. And so Hebrews is drawing that connection that Abraham, all of us are connected to one another. And it's not just a connection in, well, follow God and it'll all be fine. But instead, moving beyond just those words, of saying, okay, what does it mean to follow God? What does it mean in our daily lives to try to figure this out? And that a sense of bless you and multiply your descendants, a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of community, and that throughout all of time, throughout these thousands of years, between Abraham and us today, we are being connected to God of pointing back and going, hey, look, wait a minute. I think there's something more. I think there's a way to live well, to thrive, to begin to embody forgiveness and grace at every step, to be able to include others, to draw others in of saying, wait a minute, how can I respond to your needs this day? an influence that comes from the past and continues to move us, that runs through the veins of time and moves us in directions maybe we never could have comprehended, maybe never even thought about of how we influence, who we influence, right? Because maybe we're like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe I influence the people, like my family immediately around, but this is so much bigger than that. This goes far beyond our inner circles. Finishing up in verses 17 through 20. When God wanted to further demonstrate to the heirs of the promise that his purpose doesn't change, he guaranteed it with a solemn pledge. So these are two things that don't change because it's impossible for God to lie. He did this so that we who have taken refuge in him can be encouraged to grasp the hope that is lying in front of us. This hope, which is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being, enters the sanctuary behind the curtain. That's where Jesus went in advance and entered for us, since he became a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Lots of symbolism. 
It made me go, wait a minute, what? What? It ha who? All right. So here we've got God's promise, promise of belonging, promise of purpose, promise of community, promise that we do truly influence one another and we get a choice as to how we influence. Are we going to do the whole transformation where we draw others in into those things of belonging, purpose, and community? Or are we going to sit in to anchor ourselves, right? The whole anchor thing, the imagery of that. We can anchor ourselves in a number of things. We can choose to be influenced by things that are of despair, we can anchor ourselves in shame and anger and lying and cheating and stealing. We can anchor ourselves in our successes, our jobs, right? Things that maybe, well, that's not so bad. We can anchor ourselves in our bank accounts. We can anchor ourselves in how many social media followers we have, how many friends we've got, how many connections we think we've made. We can anchor ourselves in things that ultimately are going to drain us, that ultimately transform no one into something that is thriving and good. So often we anchor ourselves in things that make us comfortable, but when we're trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be anchored in God? We then get this continuous line. There's the, the reference to Jesus, right? That's where Jesus went in advance and entered for us since he became a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And you're like, who in the world is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is a king of Salem. Salem comes from the word shalom, city of, which is peace, so a city of peace. Melchizedek is found in the story of Abraham, and Melchizedek blesses Abraham. He doesn't know Abraham. Melchizedek doesn't have a relationship with Abraham, but he still blesses Abraham. And so Jesus is part of the order of Melchizedek, the order of peace and blessing to others. And that we get to be a part of that. That we get to be called to that. We get to be called to engage in that. And yet we're going to still need that forgiveness and grace. We're still going to need those things. Right? He did this so that we who have taken refuge in, in him can be encouraged to grasp the hope that is lying in front of us. This hope is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being. Thinking about maybe what we anchor ourselves in that really are doing ourselves no good, ultimately. That are really doing ourselves a disservice because they generate more anxiety and worry and stress and a feeling like we're never going to measure up. We can never make it that... Take us into dark places that say, you know what? We're so disconnected. The world's falling apart. What's the point? And calling to us, taking refuge in God, saying, okay, wait a minute. What do I need to anchor myself in that is connected to Christ, that is connected to Melchizedek of peace, and blessing 
we want to influence, or maybe even we're like, I don't really want to influence, and you keep talking about like I do, but that sense of recognizing that we're going to no matter what, what would it mean for us to be active in saying, wait a minute, if I'm going to influence, if that's the way the world works, if that's the way humanity works, if that's the way God is calling to us to be, to calling us to the next level, then wait a minute, I've got to pay attention to, I've got to have enough self-awareness of does the way that I conduct my life bring peace and blessings to others? How is it creating belonging, purpose, and community for others that is connected to the teachings of Jesus and is connected to people throughout a period of time that is so long, thousands of years, of saying, no, wait a minute, we are not disconnected. We are connected and we have learned from, we have soaked up that knowledge and we are trying to live and be fruitful we are going to recognize we can influence in ways maybe we never expected. Maybe we expected, you know, I don't do anything. I don't know why anybody pays attention to me. I'm just going to live my life and try to do good. But here's the thing. The moment we're in relationship with others, the moment that we move throughout this world, we are an influence. And so why not? Why not be an influence that transforms people's lives into something better? Who doesn't want a better life? Who doesn't want to thrive? Who doesn't want to live well? Who doesn't want some peace and some joy? And so what does it mean for each of us to become so self-aware, so cognizant of it, that the way we engage with the world changes? Our actions, our words we begin to embody the life of Christ. We begin to embody those teachings. So how might you be challenged this day by the words in Hebrews? How might you be challenged in who and how you are influencing others? How might you be challenged? For all of us are to be challenged by Hebrews. Amen.